Blog Talk Radio. Ginger London, thank you so much for tuning in and listening in for um, tonight's show. On tonight, we are talking about baggage claim. This is a uh, five-part series, and this is uh, part two of the five-part series, and we're dealing with um, baggage claim and knowing how to unpack what um, uh, the baggage and the uh, pain and the the hurts from um, our past, and how do we unpack that? So on last night, we had some uh, technical difficulties, and so if you are in uh, the chat room and you can hear me across the Internet clearly, would you please um, uh, send me a text or type into the uh, the chat that you can actually hear me coming across uh, the Internet clearly, please. I would greatly appreciate it. If you will let me know that, so we'll know. I'll know that everything is okay um, online. So I'm going to go on, and tonight we're talking about um, baggage claim and uh, personal belongings, and what happens sometimes um, with our uh, when we're in the midst of hurt and pain. What happens is we bottle up a lot of things, including the hurt, including the pains from um, that, and we package it away or we put it in a suitcase. And the word baggage means gear that stores up something. And so in this particular case, um, it's actually the uh, the gear that's storing our personal belongings along with all of the hurts and pains that come from past relationships. And so I want to talk to you tonight about how to un, um, unpack that baggage and how to get your personal uh, self out of that baggage. Because sometimes in the midst of hurts and pains and, and packaging them together and um, uh, putting them in a place where we feel like they're safe. What happens is we give part of our self-esteem away. We give part of our self-worth away. We give um, some of our um, mind away. Our mind away. We allow the personal, our personal belongings, to become packed in suit in a suitcase, if you will, along with all of the baggage, the hurt, the pain, the emotional scars, the wounds, um, the memories. We pack our personal belongings, and so we're one. Wondering why we can't function in a healthy and whole way in life is because part of bits and pieces of our real self is put into what we call um, the baggage. And so we're going to deal with that. And so one of the reasons why it's so hard and so difficult for people to let go is because most people carry around the baggage from uh, the painful relationships or the painful friendship or maybe it was a um, – painful uh, family situation. And so when a person clings to the baggage, 
it may be because that there are some personal belongings that have been packed into the baggage along with the wounded emotions. And personal belongings are those private and those special qualities uh, uh, within you or about you that are supposed to be um, uh, freely uh, reflected in your life but not packed away. When people encounter you, they should encounter the real you, not the hurt you, not the scarred you, not the wounded you, not the disappointed, discouraged, disencouraged person, but they should encounter the person that you were created um, to be. So because you have some of your bits and pieces packed away in the baggage, you feel um, uh, because you have it packed away, you feel like you have a right uh, to the baggage, you have a right to feel this way. You know, if he, you know, I have a right to feel like this because I put so much into the relationship and then he still left, and so you feel like you have a right to feel that pain, or you have a right to be angry, or you have a right um, to be hurt, or a right a right uh, to be wounded because you actually um, feel like you put so much into it, and because you are the one who came out on the. the um, short end of it, you feel like you have a right to it. And so you don't let the baggage go because a part of you um is in the baggage and you say this is a part this is this a part of this is belongs to me. And so that's why you cling to the hurt and pain because you're looking for some type of resolution um or some type of relief and you can't find it because you're trying to find the relief inside the very thing that hurt you inside the very thing that wounded you so there's no peace no peace no freedom no liberty um uh in the wounds uh, of your life or in that baggage or in pain your freedom comes when healing shows up and wants to take the place of pain and wants to take the place um hurts and wounds and so but but it's hard for healing to show up because you have the baggage gripped so tightly because you feel like you like you deserve to feel that way you know which if she wouldn't if she wouldn't have uh, betrayed me I wouldn't be feeling like this or if he wouldn't have walked out I wouldn't be so mad because I put everything into that relationship if she wouldn't have ripped me off I wouldn't feel this way about women you know she just she just she messed it up for everybody you know for all other women I might meet you you you're claiming a right to the wrong thing Okay, you should be claiming a right to be free, a right to be whole, a right to be healed, but you're claiming a right to feel this way because of something that someone has done to you, which means that you feel like you're owed something because of what you went through. Uh, What you really deserve is healing so that you won't go through it again. Or if you go through it again, you'll know how to process it uh, correctly and go through it and recognize some things so that you won't get caught up in a bad situation, but you don't have a right to um, to feel hurt or to feel wounded. And so we're going to talk about how to unpack all of that. And so on tonight, um, there's uh, so, uh, three passages of scriptures, and if you're in the chat room, you have them, but if you're listening by phone, it's Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19 that says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Am I not making a way in the desert and stream in the wasteland? That's going to be our main scripture for the whole week. You know, behold, God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. Forget about the past. I'm doing a new thing. A lot of times we can't experience the newest because we're clinging to the baggage. And because we're clinging, we don't experience the newness um, of life. Uh, Another passage of scripture we're going to deal with. Um, is Ecclesiastic chapter 3, and we're familiar with that where it's a time and a season for everything. Well, listen, verse 6 says it plainly. 
There's a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away. There comes a time where you have to throw away the baggage and cling to only what belongs to you, and that's your true self. A time to throw, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. And another um, passage of scripture um, is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, and it says, um, uh, it says, it says, come to me, all you who are, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If you have been through a bad uh, relationship of any kind and it impacted your life, your soul is heavy. Your spirit man is weighed down from the experience of that relationship. And God did not intend for us to live heavy lives or weighted down lives. He intended for us to live um, a, a, a life of a light. Hearted life, it sort of, it, uh, sort of speak, a life that's not weighed down. And so he says, if you're heavy laden, come unto me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He'll take all of the burden from the pains and hurts and the rejections, um, the in disappointments, the discouragements. God will take all of, take upon all of that for you and give you something that is a, that's easier to carry. And what that is is a person that He created you to be. So. If um, if that's where you are tonight, we're going to show you or teach you how to unpack. So let's talk a little bit about baggage. You know, um, baggage is the residue. It could be the residue of fear. You know, you're afraid to uh, to step out again. You're afraid to trust people again. You're afraid to love again. You're afraid to get too close in a friendship again. You're afraid to uh, 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 to trust any family members because you got hurt. By maybe one or maybe more than one, because sometimes we repeat we repeat the cycle over and over again. So it may be uh, the fear may be the result of having repeated that cycle more than one time, or it could be a result of having gone through it one time, but it was so detrimental to your life and so painful that you resolved that I will live in fear instead of moving against the fear barrier and living in freedom. Okay, it could be uh, baggage can be a defense mechanism because you did go through that bad situation or because you did experience that pain. Now you have a wall up. Okay, and so that's a defense mechanism. And the defense mechanism might sound something like this: Well, you know, I'll I'll never trust again. You'll only get so close, and then I'm, I'm I got the wall up. You can't get past that. Or somebody will say something to you, and then all of a sudden you start spewing off negative things, or uh, you say something. Um, Similar to, well, um, I don't know about that. You know, uh, you can't trust everybody. You better watch out. You know, people just offer everything that they can give. So don't ask me anything because I'm, you know, right now I'm just just focusing on me. I don't want to be involved with anybody. I don't want to have any friendships right now. You know, it's not because you're trying to do better. It's because you're using it as a defense mechanism. And the baggage is pushing you to do that. And so sometimes in all of that defense mechanism stuff, you miss the opportunity to have good, healthy relationships, good, healthy friendships, and you miss the opportunity to establish good family relationships because you're so wounded you can't function properly. Uh, also, baggage can be um, 
just a, a collection of pain and hurt from things that happened to you. So you took all of it and you put it all in the same suitcase. And every time something happened, you pile something else in the suitcase. So eventually the suitcase becomes extremely heavy to carry because your the emotional part of you has a major impact upon your life. Your emotions teach you how to respond to life. Your emotions teach you about who you are, uh, your, your, let me say this, your emotions are reflective of the type of person that you are. They also um, teach you how to respond to people. So when your emotions are wounded or when they're damaged, then you respond from an unhealthy place. And so um, it's, it's not good to continue to keep them, the, the wounds, of the, um, the wounded area back, uh, back in baggage uh, backed up all the time. Okay. Also, um, baggage are those things that are woven into what defines who and what you are. If you're not careful, what will happen is, and like I said on last night's show, instead of people experiencing the real you, the baggage will begin to def- redefine you. So now you'll become, uh, you'll start, uh, people will start seeing you as a mean person, or people will see you as an indecisive person, or people will see you as standoffish or cold-natured. You know, the baggage will be, will the the hurts and pains and the baggage that you have will begin to redefine you. And once it redefines you, if you don't take a step of faith and allow God to heal you and bring the real you back to the forefront, then it's not only will people struggle being around you, then you will struggle just being you. Okay, and so that's also what baggage can be. You know, baggage is a comfortable, it's familiar to you, and because it, because you're comfortable with it and because it is so familiar to you, what happens at times is you begin to ferociously cling to what um, seems to make uh, you who you are and not realizing it's not the real you. So you cling to it. You refuse to let it go because, again, you feel like you're owed something. You feel like you have a right to feel that way. And so you fear that if you relinquish um, the baggage, then um, some of who you are is going to go with the baggage. And it will because if you allowed your self-esteem to get packed away, if you allowed your self-worth to get packed away, if you allowed your mind, some of the, what you, your healthy and positive thoughts, uh, to get packed away, then yes, you are relinquishing a part of yourself. And so that's why it's important for you to open the baggage up, take out only what belongs to you, leave the rest in there, and then as the Word of God says, it's time to throw it away. But you can't throw the baggage away until you first get the most uh, important and delicate parts of who you are out of the baggage. And so um, there's an emotional involvement with, with, with the baggage that you have. You know, so you, and, and that emotional involvement is, again, if you feel angry about what happened to you, you know, if you um, uh, are trying to, if you're still in this situation or if you feel like, wow, this, you don't know, I should have been in that relationship. So what happens is you, you're still trying to please that person even though the relationship is over or it's coming to an end and you're still trying to please that person. And, and so you have an emotional involvement. You're still trying to be accepted. You're still trying to avoid rejection. You know, you're still trying to be liked and loved, but you're going about it the wrong way. And so that's an emotional involvement with baggage. And so it really is a step of faith when it's when it's when you get to that place where you know you have to to let the baggage go it really is a step of faith because if you've been clinging to it any length of time it's real hard to let it go because there's an involvement that you have um with the uh with the baggage also um 
with that. Uh, I know a lot of times uh, the term uh, baggage is kind of uh, loosely used sometimes um, in psychology and other helping professions. But basically, if you really want to understand it, it really describes the excesses and the um, useless, I would say, junk that we carry around with us from our worst childhood memories to when our romantic relationships went bad to all, to any manner of past problems that you can't just seem to shake off or get rid of. And that's what baggage really is. It's those things that you can't shake off. You can't get rid of it. You can't get past it. You, you can't seem to outgrow it. You can't seem to outthink it. You can't seem to outfeel uh, it. It's just hanging around. And so it becomes a part of who you are. And what happens, as I said, we pack away some things so tightly, uh, all of the sorrows and the frustrations and the griefs and the resentments into a, uh, we're going to use metaphorically a suitcase, you know, which you continue to carry around with you and um, you continue to define yourself with it. And it, what eventually happens is it affects your belief system. It affects what you believe. And that's when the problem comes really it becomes a major problem because your your belief systems about uh, people changes. It affects the, uh, your belief system. If you're a woman and who you've had a lot of bad relationships or one major bad relationship, it will affect how what you believe about men. If you are a man, it will affect uh, affect what you believe about women. If you had some terrible experiences with your family members, it will affect uh, how you feel about family members and the family unit. It will affect your um, what you think about coworkers. If you had a bad experience on the job, it would affect how you feel about church. If you've had a bad experience um, in church or with some church members, it would affect your belief system. You know, and the word of God says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And so your belief system, uh, that's the lens in which you see the world. And so if baggage have clouded your lens, or if you're seeing through the lens of that a baggage, then you're not going to have a healthy belief system or perspective about the areas um, uh, or the people that you had the encounter the encounter with. So we're going to teach you how to unpack um, all of that. And so we, initially, when you're at that place of getting ready to unpack, you really have to sit back and take an um, uh, an exploratory look. Um, into your life and you have to have an exploratory conversation with yourself. You have to challenge yourself to be open and honest with yourself. And so you have to answer questions like, what do I believe about what happened to me? You have to take an exploratory, have an exploratory conversation with yourself. What do I believe about what happened to me? And be honest with yourself because the word of God says that the truth Will make will make you free. So you have to, you know, in the privacy of your devotion time, in the privacy of your quiet time, or just in the privacy with your, just yourself, you have to say, what do I believe about what happened to me? You know, do I believe I deserved it? Do I believe it was an unfair treatment? Do I believe um, that I got taken advantage of? Do I believe that um, uh, even though I went through it, I know that I can overcome this, that I can make it past this and become healed? How you respond to that will let you know where you are at that moment, not where you're going to stay, but where you are at that moment. Because unless you know where you are, you don't know which direction to go in. If you fool yourself, and to believe in that you're healed when you're still angry. 
then you will, you will be taking some uh, false steps in the wrong direction. You will think you're going in the healing direction, but at some point during the course of your journey, that anger is going to show back up. And then people will know that you really weren't if you you really weren't healed, and so you really have to have that exploratory conversation with yourself. What is it that I believe about myself? Also, you can ask yourself a question: What do I believe about the person, or and I'm gonna say, or the gender who did it to me, who caused me that pain? What do I believe about the person who caused me that pain? What do I believe about the gender that? caused me that pain. If I've been in bad relationships with men, what do I believe about men now? You have to be honest. Well, if, you know, I've had a lot of cycles of bad relationships with women. What do I believe about women now? You know, and that's only when, that, when you answer those questions, that is when you become the journey of healing uh, begins for you. You know, uh, if you're acting, if you answer the, the questions negative, then your life is being impacted neg- negatively with that. And so you have to take a look and say, hey, do I want to stay here in this place of negativity or do I want to move forward into a place of positivity and move forward into a a life of freedom, a life of liberty? What is it that I want to do? And then so unpacking begins with you actually having a conversation. And your conversation may be out loud like like I'm talking to you, or you may have to do it this way. You may have to take um, a sheet of paper, write the question at the top, and you may have to write it down in paragraph form like you're talking to yourself. Whatever works for you, whatever helps bring healing to your life, do that. So if you have to journal it in a notebook or a tablet, then keep a journal or a notebook or a tablet so that you can actually get to that place of um, healing in your life. And so have that exploratory conversation with yourself because the the main reason you need that to have that um, clarity about who you are is because baggage stems from a weak ego, okay? It stems from a weak ego, it's, uh, you try to appear perfect to others when you know you're wounded, when you know you're hurting. And so that's where it comes from. So uh, you have to um, be careful about that. You uh, you have it, you don't have it all together, but you try to make it fit, appear that you do it. So when people ask you what's going on, you say, oh, nothing, I'm, I'm straight, I'm straight, it's all worked out, I'm good, I'm good, when you know you're not good. Okay? And so it stems from a weak ego because a lot of times we don't want to tell people um that we're struggling in that area, that we're wounded, that we're hurting. We don't want to let, we don't want people to know that. And so we, we, we falsify it and make it seem like everything is okay when it's not okay. All right. Um, uh, baggage stems from uh, a behavior that has, that results from a set of um, cycle of defensiveness and fears we talked about a few minutes ago. You know, um, what happens is, um, it makes a very stressful life for you. Somebody will say something to you, won't even mean you any harm. But because baggage is there and is there, and your uh, emotions are wounded, you will hear something else, and you will respond in a defensive manner, or you'll just be very sarcastic, or you'll be mean spirited. And the person is trying to figure out, well, what in the world? How? Where did all of that come from? It comes from the baggage that's lingering in your life that's causing you to behave in a certain way that's not good. And so you have to make sure that you recognize that um, where it's coming from. Also, baggage uh, will cause you to to, uh, pursue um, uh, some things that are ungodly, okay, or that are not uh, uh, suitable for your life, 
Okay, and so instead of you going after the healthy relationship, you now go after the relationship that you know in your spirit is not a good and healthy. But you know, you say, well, I haven't been through this before, so I'll just go through it again. This is like just the way it's going to be. And the reason you don't pursue the healthy relationship is because the healthy relationship will challenge you to grow, will challenge you to change, will challenge you to, cha- uh, uh, to change your thinking, change your perspective. Uh, per- uh, Perception, change your conversation. You know what I'm saying. And so you go hook with, you go uh, connect with somebody who has the same old sob story that you have. And so instead of having a, a pleasant dinner, y'all sit, you guys are sitting in the restaurant swapping sorry, uh, sorry stories. You know. But the healthy relationship will challenge you and say, but you can be healed. It will change the conversation, and it's uncomfortable for you because the baggage is comfortable. You are familiar with the baggage, and so you stay with the baggage. So it's important uh, to let go. And in order to let go of that baggage, you have to get to the place where you understand that you don't have to be perfect to let it go and that you don't have to be accepted by anyone else to let it go. You can freely, by the Spirit of God, let it go. And then begin to start your journey of um, of healing. Because if you don't, you're going to get messed up. Okay, so you have to surrender to the need for perfection. You can't be perfect. But we're not going to be perfect as it relates to, with, um, you know, spot, without spot or blemish, you know, like just the glory is all over us and we're in the third heavens. But we can be perfected as it relates to matured in life. There has to be some maturity in your life. You have to be willing to grow up in your emotions. You have to be willing to grow up in your thinking. You have to be willing to grow up in your conversation. You have to be willing to grow up in the way you relate to people, the way you respond to people, the uh, the uh, the way you uh, communicate and have conversation. You have to be willing to grow up. There has to be some maturity that takes place in your life if you want to experience freedom in your life and healing in your life. You have to pursue growth. Um, um, the Word of God says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know, you have to pursue growth. That means that you have to stop beating yourself up, stop stop the self-criticism. Okay, you made, it was a bad choice. It was a bad deal. You know, and even if you um, didn't have an active part, as I would say, in all of everything that happened to you, it did happen to you. You recognize that. You have to go on. You can't beat yourself up. You couldn't, you know, it's, this is not the time to say, I, well, you know, I should have paid more attention or I should have been wiser or I should have known a little, I should have recognized something or I, I should have known when he said such and such or I should have known when she said such and such that, uh, you know, that something was going was going wrong here. A lot of times you don't know it because you don't have that knowledge to know it. We haven't all been taught how to have healthy relationships or friendships. We just, you know, we just wing it. Most of the time, you know, and over the course of years, we learn things by reading information, reading books, reading articles, talking to other people, talking to um, people who are specialties or experts in that area. But we don't just know that right off the bat. That is not common sense. That is acquired knowledge, okay, because you can go through the cycle over and over again and still not learn anything. So most of the time we have not learned how to have healthy friendships, relationships, and in some cases we haven't even learned how to have healthy um, family relationships. Again, we're winging it, you know, and so winging it doesn't always work. It's not the best uh, thing for uh, most of us. And so so let's talk about um, the the focus of um, 
or give you a little bit more information on emotional baggage, and then we're going to talk about the focus of not letting go. What happens when you don't let it go before we move into unpacking? You know, um, uh, when when emotional baggage lingers in your life, um, just to bring it home for you to make it more clear, one of the things that happens or some things that happen in our lives is that we begin to judge new people in our lives uh, based upon the actions others before them did to us. And so that's why it's important that you have to let that baggage go. Get yourself back, throw the baggage away. Because when somebody comes, become, uh, when a new person comes into your life, it is unfair for you to make them um, suffer or punish them um, because uh what someone else did to you that's no longer present in your life. Okay, that's unfair. That's that truly is unfair treatment. Number one, they probably don't even know you had a bad experience. And nine times out of ten, when you're making someone else pay, you you don't talk about that that experience. You just make them pay. You're not honest. You don't tell them from from a true perspective why they're pay while why they are paying. You just make them pay. And so, number one, deceit is involved in that, and then it's unfair to the other person because they may have a genuine interest in you, but they can't really pursue you correctly because in pursuing you, the only thing that they get is punishment for something that they don't even know why they're being punished. They don't have a clue what happened to you. What they know is this interest is about to go sour because the average person is not going to allow you to punish him or her for what somebody else did. They'll give you a minute to get it all worked out and get it cleared up and get your head straight, get your mind right, get your emotions in check, you know, but they will not stay long enough for you to ruin them. So um, that's one of the things that happens. Also, we uh, we, we developed that thing about uh, not trusting men and women or not trusting friendships anymore or family members, as I said earlier. Those are the things that show up when baggage stay around um, too long, okay? So then it becomes, it causes you to become bitter. And in that bitterness, um, what happens is you miss out on you miss out on enjoyable relationships. You build walls up around yourself, and therefore you close the door of any chance uh, for a new relationship, uh, you know, uh, ever. And some people go years and years and years carrying around baggage, and they miss out on golden opportunities, you know. And so the focus of not letting go, you can't have what you want until you stop needing it. Okay, you can't have what you want until you stop needing it. And what I mean by that is when you're needing it, you are needy. Okay, and I'm not talking about like, you know, bread that we eat or, you know, food and all those kind of things. I'm talking about that desperation, you know, that that, that spirit of desperation where you just have to have him. You just have to have her or you just have to have, you know, you just have to have somebody to love you. You know, you just have to be accepted or you just you just need acceptance or you need appreciation. There's some um balance in all of that, but when it becomes a needy element or uh, element in your life, it is un it is out of balance, it is out of order and it is unhealthy. So, you can't have what you want until you stop needing it. Until you stop being needy, you will not experience true love. You will not experience a true friendship. You will not experience good, healthy relationships with your family members. You have to stop being needy because needy people are never satisfied because you never know. um, You don't know how to gauge your neediness. 
You don't know when enough is enough. You don't you don't know when you you received enough love because neediness has is a bottomless pit. So there's nothing to gauge it by. So you you you're constantly in need of it. The neediness continues to grow. The the neediness of the the needs uh, to be accepted is constantly there. It's constantly there because there's nothing there's nothing healthy that you're gauging by. And so when you're gauging it yourself, it's never going to be enough. You're never going to be loved enough. You're never going to be accepted enough. You know, you're never going to be appreciated enough because you don't have any balance around what it is that you need. So if you're at that place, you got to pray for God to release you and free you from the needy uh, the needy and desperate uh, spirit of desperation where you feel like, I just got to have this. Well, I can't function right unless I, I just got to have it because the enemy will have you going out getting it any way you can. Okay, and that's where the painful experiences come and the baggage pile up because you're not pursuing it in a healthy manner. Okay, um, you become afraid that when you uh, get something different, you become so afraid that that you'll get something different from what you want. All right, that's when you when when you are um, the focus is on not letting go. I don't let go because if I well, what if I give in? What if I let the walls down? Then shoot, I might, I still might get messed over. I still, you know, I still might not get the, a true friendship. I still may not experience a good, healthy relationship. And so when you focus on not letting go, then what happens is there's a fear that you may not get what you really want. Also, you uh, you begin to worry about what would happen if it doesn't come on time. Well, if I if I let my walls down, what if what if a, a, a true friendship doesn't show up right away? Or what if I don't start dating somebody right now? Or what if I never marry again? And you know, what if um uh this uh my family members don't uh we don't act start acting right right away? What happens if it just doesn't happen on time or what you think is on time? Okay, and then you, you, you rack your brains out trying to figure out what you're doing wrong. Well, why isn't it happening happening right now? It must be something about me. What's wrong with me? And then we start we start spiritualizing it by saying, well, you know, God must be working on me. You know, God's not through with me yet. And, uh, you know, God must there must be some area in my life that God is trying to get all straightened out. We, start to, we always spiritualize it sometimes all because we don't want to let go. And so out of that not wanting to let go, we have a fear of trying to figure out what, you know, what is wrong with me. And what's wrong with you is you refuse to let the baggage go, okay? And then also you get angry with yourself for not being able to manifest what you want. You know, so now you go from trying to figure out what's wrong with you. Now you're angry with yourself. And so now you're beating yourself up because it hasn't happened yet or you haven't gotten what you wanted. Okay? And I just read you the scripture where God said, if you are heavy, then you need to come to him, release those burdens to him, and take on his yoke because it's not heavy. We're not supposed to live heavy lives. We're not supposed to be weighed down in our emotions, stressed out, worn out, mind, you know, you ever had your brain hurting because you was thinking about something so long, you know, you said, oh, my brain hurts. You know, that's not the way this, this, this life that we're living is supposed to go. We're supposed to be free and uh, experiencing freedom in the spirit of God. That doesn't mean that we don't experience some unfortunate things in life, but we have the the um, the tools that we need to make it through to become overcomers, to, uh, to have victory on the other side of the uh, situation or the uh, circumstance of life or the issue of life. We have the tools that we need to come out victorious on the other end, amen, or to make it through the journey. So sometimes we, we just carry way, way too much um, baggage and too much burden 
on ourselves. And so if, when you focus on not letting go, those are the things that happen. So you begin to hold on to that uh, grip even uh, the more so. And so there are some things when we start unpacking, let's get into that. How do I unpack that suitcase and get myself? out of there and throw away the rest of the stuff that doesn't belong to me. Because on last night I said to you, there are some things that are that are that are in the baggage that don't belong to you. The only thing you need from the baggage is your true self. Any part of your being that you packed away as a result of that, that's what you need to take out the baggage. For example, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes. Example, someone, you know, you were in a relationship with someone and all they did was lie. And so they told you one lie after the next lie after the next lie after the next lie. Well, that's the baggage, the pain of that. The lie goes in the in the in the suitcase that we're gonna throw away. That's not your burden. The lie is not the burden for you to carry. That doesn't belong to you. That belongs to the liar. So that's not yours. What's yours is you can say, I got hurt by what was told to me, but that is not me. So I got to throw the hurt into the suitcase and give the lie back to the liar. So you can't take that on because when you take that on, instead of seeing that the person lied to you, you get to what I just said, try to figure out what's wrong with you. And the reality is it wasn't even yours to figure out. It wasn't yours because you didn't tell the lie to yourself. Somebody told the lie to you. So give the lie back to where it's supposed to go, who it rightfully belongs to and guard your, guard your own heart. Okay. So when, you, when we talk about um, unpacking uh, the luggage and getting yourself out of it. The first thing that, ha- that that has to be in the forefront is that you must expect the best. You have to expect the best. If you don't expect the best, unpacking is going to be uh, useless for you. You must expect the best. You can find yourself in a situation where you're stuck right now. Maybe you have a lot of negative thoughts uh, going on or some patterns of negative thoughts that are going on, and you you know you're experiencing the worst a possible thing, you know, that pain is so deep or the outcome of that was so bad that you feel like, wow, will this ever change? The change begins with you expecting um, the best for your life, okay? You have to make a decision to change, and you have to decide that you have had enough. In other words, I'm tired of baggage hanging around. I've had enough of this pain, enough of feeling like this, and so... uh you, once you make that decision, you say, okay, I expect the best. If you don't expect the best, the negative thoughts are going to take over, and then it's going to be hard for you to conceive and perceive that things can change for you. So you have to take a leap of faith and say, in my mind, I expect the best. I expect change to occur, and I'm going to um, come out of this. Okay, so the first thing that you have to do is you have to develop a self-awareness to recognize the negative expectations that are there or the negative thoughts. Okay, so you have to become aware of those thoughts. And that's what I say. you got to take that exploratory look within yourself. You have to go inside of yourself and take a look at all of those negative thoughts and um, become aware of what, what those thoughts are, how often do they show up, and then say, what do I do to get rid of these thoughts? Because as a man thinketh, so is he. And so when you become self-aware, when you say, listen, I realize I'm hurting. I realize that there's a lot of pain here. That is the beginning step because a lot of people are in denial about being hurt, about being in pain, or that it has an effect on them. Oh, no, I'm okay. I'm strong. And the reality is you're not. So you have to have some self-awareness about what's going on in your life. So go and take that exploratory look um, and look at those negative things that are going on. 
Okay, then you want to challenge and change the negative thoughts. Okay, Ephesians uh, four, um, chapter two, uh, chapter four, verse twenty-three says it to be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on the new self created to be like God and uh, trust uh, true righteousness and holiness. And I want to focus on to be made new in the attitudes of your mind. You're going to have to change those negative thoughts. You've got to begin to say, my attitude has to change. And the only way my attitude will change in life is I'm going to have to change these negative thoughts. And I'm going to change them into positive thoughts, healthy thoughts, and godly thoughts. Because my my true mind, mind is in that baggage. You know, I let my mind go in that baggage and I allow something, these negative thoughts to take over. That's not really who I am. I don't desire to think have these type of thoughts. I don't desire to have this type of mindset about the situation. I, I desire to think, think on things that are true, lovely, just, and of good report, that are praiseworthy unto God and about my life. I don't want to have negative thoughts about who I am and what I, and the type of person that I have become as a result of somebody hurting me, as a result of being in pain for so long. I don't desire to have those kind of thoughts about myself. I want to have good thoughts and healthy thoughts about um, myself. And so you have to cha- uh, challenge and change the negative thoughts, okay? And so then you have to, uh, when you change those negative thoughts, you have to work on developing um um, positive things in your life every day. You have to develop positive habits because, see, when the baggage is lingering in your life, you develop negative habits. You have the same thoughts. You start thinking the same negative thoughts over and over again. Um, you will um, uh, have the negative perceptions over and over again, so they become a habit, and so it's harder to change, to break habits. And so what you have to do is challenge yourself and develop um, the habit of positive things and positive thoughts in your life. And you have to speak those things. You have to write them, put them on uh, post-it notes if you have to, put them around the house, put them in the car, you know, put them on the uh, iPod where you can hear yourself uh, quoting uh, positive uh, scriptures or positive affirmations. Do whatever you have to do in order for that to occur because change is going to first start in your mind. And I know we've heard it a lot of times where, you know, uh, in the medical field, they say whatever the mind tells the body, it doesn't. The mind sends messages to the, the rest of the body. Well, well, okay, well, that's true. So in your mind, if you're having negative thoughts about yourself, then those negative thoughts are sending messages to the rest of your body, to the way you hear things. People will say something to you and won't, you, you'll hear it all. You'll hear it incorrectly. It'll, it'll send uh, negative uh, messages to your tongue, your conversation, negative messages to your sight. You'll see life differently. You'll see it in a negative uh, view. You have a negative view about life. You'll never. It'll be impossible uh, to uh, see things positively. It'll send messages to your heart. You'll you'll become numb and you'll and, um, uh, cold and hard and and ruthless at times. Become mean spirited. All of that. It'll it'll send uh, negative messages to the rest of your being and let and, and to your feet. You'll start you know walking with the keeping the wrong company, going to the wrong places, all because of negative thoughts that have been packaged in your mind as a result of baggage lingering in your life and from the pain. And so you have to challenge yourself to change your thought life to keep positive things um, in your mind at um, at all time that is going to be extremely important for you when you change your mind um when you change your thoughts your behaviors will change 
When your behaviors change, your lifestyle changes, and that's just how it works. And so change your thought life, your your behavior or your actions will change, and when you start acting and moving positively in life, then your lifestyle changes, then everything changes. As I said last night, you may not forget ever forget about what happened to you, but you don't have to ever be indebted to it, and it doesn't have to be uh, indebted to you, okay? You can be free from what has happened to you um, in the course of of your life. And so those are the things that you need to um, do to begin to unpackage. And you have to make a decision that you want to be happy right now. Not when the journey is over, not when you when all the pain is gone, not when um, all the frustration is gone, not when the dis- disappointments are all gone. You want to be happy right now. The Word of God says that um, laughter is like medicine to the bone, okay? And so you want to be happy right now. There's a scripture that says, I think myself happy. So you you have a major part in being happy right now. And so if you're waiting for your circumstances to change, if you're waiting for healing uh to show up in yourself, um that you can you can still wait on those things, but in the process of waiting, you can be happy right now. Okay? And so uh, in, in order to be happy or to experience happiness, even in the midst of all of this that you're going through, the, one of the things, the main things you do is you have to be grateful. Thank God that you still have life. Thank God that you still have the uh, physical and spiritual strength to be healed and to be uh, be an overcomer. Thank God that you have the tools that in life that you need to help take you through this journey. Thank God that he's sending people in your life that's going to be a support system. They're going to pray for you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to speak life into your life and into your situation. They're going to be there even when you relapse, you know, when you start trying to tell that story one more time. They're going to remind you that it's not a story that you need to repeat. And so you got to thank God that he's sending a support um, system that's going to help you um, do that. Then you need to take time to actually enjoy the new atmosphere that's going to be uh uh, that your life is going to be surrounding your life. You know, some people say take time to smell the roses. Well, you want to take time to enjoy the new atmosphere in your life, the new fragrance, the aroma that's going to come from your life. So you're no longer going to smell like hurt. You're no longer going to smell like pain. You're no longer going to have the um, the the uh, smell of um, anger, bitterness, you know, um, mean-spirited, you're no longer going to have that coming from your life. You're going to have a new aroma. You know, in the springtime when roses and, and flowers bloom, when the new flowers come in, a new scent comes. And even though we know the rose smells the same way every every spring, but every spring when they when they come forward, it's that, that freshness, that new smell that comes with the new rose and it comes with the new flower of any kind. It's that new smell. And so that's what you want. You want to be able to smell the newness that's taking place in your life as you go through your journey of healing from uh, the past. And so you need to uh, spend a lot of time just actually maybe just reading a book, just spending some quiet time, just enjoying yourself. 
and enjoying the change that God is bringing about in your life. You know, because sometimes we, we move around too much and we scatter a lot. And we try to keep busy so we don't have to deal with and work through some issues and some problems. And so we're going to have to get to the place where you can quiet your spirit and enjoy yourself. And a lot that may come from just having a, a cup of a, a hot a, a cup of tea, a good book that you want to read, watching a good movie, you know. Um, uh, reading the uh, magazine, reading the newspaper, or going to the park and just sitting out, you know, on a bench, maybe having lunch by yourself, just enjoying the God's creation, enjoying the birds, the trees, you know, and just seeing uh, the uh, people in everyday life, cars passing by, people walking or or, or uh, running, jogging, or whatever the case may be. Challenge yourself to enjoy yourself. And when you can do that and you can truthfully do that, then happiness about your life is going to show up. You're going to become happy right now. And then you're going to have to love the journey that you're on. Because if you know that you're on a healing journey, you know that on the other side of healing is wholeness. And so love the journey that you're going through um, right now. And say, God, I just I just. Love it because the word of God says if God is for you, who can be against you? So when God steps in to take you through the healing journey, you don't have to worry about if pain is going to stop that journey. You don't have to worry about if somebody's going to come along and, and disrupt what God is going to do. God will not allow that. He said, I will perfect those things that concern you. When you turn it over to God, he's going to handle the matter for you. So when you're on that journey, you have to love the journey that you're going on because At the end of that journey becomes a new you, or I will say in some cases, for some of you, the real you will show back up at the end of that journey. The healed you definitely will be there. The whole you will be there. The uh, happy you will show up. The more pleasant you will show up. The you that's free in the spirit, your inner man is free. You don't feel weighed down and burdened. That's the person that's on the other side of that journey. And so you have to love the journey because in loving the journey, you learn to love yourself because it's you that's actually on the journey and you will experience a new you when you take the when you go through the journey that God desires for you to go through. So when you're doing that, think yourself happy. Make yourself have happy thoughts so that you can actually come out on the other side the way that you're supposed to come out on the other side. Okay, and so here's what needs to happen. Let's, we, it, symbolically, we're going to open up the suitcase right now. You should be ready to open up the baggage, the, 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 the suitcase. Okay, you got the claim ticket. You know what, what baggage, what suitcase is yours. You know what's in there, all that kind of stuff. We're now... Uh, I want you to pretend like you're in the airport. We're not going to sit back any longer and watch that 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 luggage go around that carousel, around and around and over and over again. You know your luggage when you see it, but you haven't picked it up. You haven't picked that baggage up. And so we're standing. You you could be standing there watching that piece of luggage go around that carousel and around. Everybody else has gotten their luggage, claimed their baggage, gone on, and you're still looking at that one piece of luggage or baggage that you know is yours go around and around and around that carousel because you don't want to pick that baggage up and deal with it. Well, tonight I want you, just in the spirit realm, I want you to pick the baggage up because you already have the claim ticket, and the claim ticket for that baggage is the word of God is going to set me free. That's a claim ticket. I'm going to get this baggage because I no longer am in fear about what has happened to me and about those wounded areas of my life. I have a different claim ticket right now. Um, i got a ticket that says I can pick you up, look inside of you, take out what 
would take out my personal belongings from out of that suitcase, leave the rest of that junk in there, and then actually throw you away. I'm not even going to leave the airport and take you home with me. I'm actually going to throw you away, suitcase and all, because I don't want anything, any residue, any memory of the junk that's in that in that piece of luggage that I'm getting ready to get rid of. Okay, and so let's open up the suitcase, go in there and get yourself out of the suitcase. So the first the first thing that has to happen in order for you to get your personal belongings out of the suitcase, number one, you got to know your purpose. Even though there are some things that have happened to you in life, you cannot lose your identity and your destiny because you went through a bad situation or you had a bad experience in life or somebody did you wrong. Somebody tricked you. Somebody lied to you. Somebody was dishonest. Somebody, um, you know, just uh, took advantage of you. You, Even though those those things actually occurred, you cannot lose your identity in the process or in the uh, experience that you had. So you have to know your purpose. When you know your purpose, it will make you get your personal belongings out the out the suitcase. Okay? So know your purpose. You do not want to be wandering around um, after uh, situation after situation, constantly saying stuff like, I don't know who I am now. I just don't understand what's going on with me. I don't know what's, what has happened. You you know, I don't know what's going on. So you cannot just constantly wander around in life anymore because you had a bad experience. You have to know your purpose. And if you know your purpose, remind yourself of your purpose so that you can pick up and keep moving. Identify it and say there's there's some uniqueness about me and I will not allow baggage to claim my identity and claim my purpose. It has no right to my identity or my purpose. I have been entrusted with that from God and I need to make sure that I get it back, claim it and guard it and keep it protected. Baggage has no right to claim your identity. And a lot of people, when they go through divorces, when they go through bad marriages, when they go through um, um, bad romantic relationships, um, when they go through disloyal friendships, when they go through some traumatic situation or unhealthy situation in family units, have a tendency to lose themselves in the situation and in the experience, and they do not uh, come out of it knowing where they're supposed to be going in life. And they start saying, I don't just don't know who I am. Now i got to go find myself. You don't have to go find yourself um, as you're expressing it and as you're meaning it at that time. You do have to go find yourself in that luggage and claim it again. But it's not like you're starting from scratch trying to figure out who you are. You already know who you are, or you should have known yourself before you got even involved in that particular situation. So, number one, know your purpose. Number two, know your value, okay? God says you are the apple of his eye, that you are precious in his sight. He said, I know the intricate, most delicate parts of your being. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how valuable you are. God said, you are so valuable. I'm so concerned about you. I know the numbers of hairs that are on your head. That's how valuable you are. You have to know your value. If you don't know your value, you would allow um, these situations and this baggage to, to strip you from it, and then you will begin to doubt yourself, and you'll begin to think that you're not worth anything, and you'll put yourself in situations that will devalue you even more, humiliate you, bring your self-esteem down even more, um, 
situations that will cause you to do things or even mindsets that will come on that will cause you to actually harm yourself, think your life isn't worth anything, the enemy will try to attack you with suicidal thoughts, you have to know your value. You have to know that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood to God. You have to know that you are important to God, that God loves you, and that your life has value. No matter what you've been through, God says you're more than a conqueror. You are victorious in Christ. Your life has value. Don't let a bad, don't let the past strip you of your value or your identity. So one, number one was know your purpose. Number two, know your value. And number three is know your needs. Know your needs. And what I mean by that is know that you have um, uh, a need to be healed in certain areas. Know the areas that you need healing in. Don't just sit around superficially trying to guess at it. You have to know the areas that have, that you actually um, uh, that have to be addressed so that you can take care of yourself. So if you if you know that um, let me see uh, if you know that you're hurting or if you know that um, uh, that because of what has happened to you you don't trust like you should, that you don't trust people anymore, period. It doesn't matter who it is. You just don't trust anymore. Then you know that you have a need for God to bring healing in the area of trust. As long as we're on this earth, we don't put all of our trust in man. But there will be some people we're going to have to trust. You're going to have to extend some trust to some people. You're going to have to, you know, if you're having a hard time loving, then you know in order for your, in order for you to be whole and to take care of yourself, you need God to come in and take care of that area that says that you don't know how to love, that you are afraid to love. So know what your needs are and then begin to work on that because when you know your needs, you can take better care of yourself. If you're in denial about what's going on, you won't take care of yourself. You'll present yourself like you're okay. But in the privacy of your own thoughts, you will know that you are not healthy. You will know that you are not whole. And there will be some nights or some days in the privacy of your, in your own privacy that you will cry some tears of sadness because you are not the person that you desire to be and because you refuse to let baggage go so that you can be healed. So don't have any more of those days. Take Take a look at yourself and say, these are my needs. I need healing in these areas. And if you're, and if you're struggling identifying those areas, again, pray that God will send someone your way who's, who knows how to identify those things. And you have to be open, truthful, and honest so that they can evaluate what you're saying and, and, and look into what you're saying and then say, okay, it sounds like that because of your hurt and pain, you're afraid to love again. You need somebody who can help you if you don't know how to pinpoint it. You need somebody who has, an, who has a, a spiritual discerning ear that can hear what you're saying and go in between the lines and pull out those things that either you're not communicating or don't know how to say. Okay? And so know your needs. Number four, know your passions. Okay? And that's about knowing what it is that excites you about life. Know what it is that you enjoy, to, uh, you enjoy doing in life. If you don't rekindle those passion a passion for life then the past will rob you of the would will rob you of enjoying life and that is one of the worst things that you can experience is to to exist on earth or to exist in this life and not enjoy life to always be sitting around you know um 
angry, mad, never coming outside, never going anywhere, never attending any functions, you know, never uh, meeting new people, never doing anything that would bring excitement to your life. So know what, know your passion, know what, know what excites you about life. If you're excited about going to uh, festivals and fairs or museums, get out there and start doing it again so that you can begin to bring some joy and some happiness back into your life, okay? And then number five, live from the inside out, okay? When you feel the change coming on, now you have to live from the strength of your inner man that's being developed in your life. No longer do I want, I want to encourage you not to live from the outside in, which means that you're now looking at and being reminded of all that stuff that happened to you or uh, the type of uh, people or the person uh, that did something to you. The minute you see that person, automatically you go into, uh, you become angry. You, your mind, you just, your mindset becomes, you just go ballistic just looking at them. No, we can no longer live from the outside and from the outside in. We now have to live from the inside out. You may never have uh, a relationship again with that particular person or a friendship again with that particular person, but you should get to the place where you can see that person and know that because of the freedom, uh, the liberty that you are now experiencing, in God, you are not affected negatively by or by the rem- the memory of what that person either did or said um, to you or did not do. Okay, and so um, live from the inside out. When you're going through that healing journey, live from the strengths that are being developed and the the character that is being developed in your inner man, and let that come forward to the outside and you'll be tempted every once in a while though to live from the outside in because you'll see that person and you'll be tempted to be angry again or you'll be tempted to talk about what they did to you or you'll be tempted to start getting into that uh um sulking mode again that pouting mode you'll be tempted but when you feel that coming on again you pull up those positive affirmations those things that you set your faith in agreement to the word when what the word of god says that god is jehovah jireh he is my uh provider god is uh jehovah nisi he is my banner over me come on you got to start when when that when that thing comes up and you feel like you might say or do the wrong thing you have to start speaking some positive things in your life okay all right then after lift number 5 number 6 Honor your strengths. When God begins to strengthen your life and you see that your life is changing and you're becoming stronger in your inner man, you're becoming stronger in your emotions, you have to honor your strengths. Don't play it down. One way to honor that is the word of God says this, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. One of the best ways that you can honor your strengths is to actually give a testimony about the good work that God has done in you. Another way is you can stand on the scripture, he that began a good work in me shall perform it until the day of Christ. You have to tell people about the good work that God has done in your life. You want people to see the change, experience the change, but most importantly, you want to honor the strength that God has now brought into your life because when you do that, you're saying spiritually, thank God. Thank you, God, for change. Thank you for strength. Thank you for not for for uh, standing me again upright in righteousness, that I don't have to hang my head in shame and guilt and humiliation because of what happened to me. I can walk tall in victory in Christ Jesus. I can I can um, have 
uh, healthy uh, conversations and uh, relationships again. So honor your strength. And I know, you know, a lot of times, you know, not a lot of times, you know, we're supposed to be humble in the body of Christ. Humility is not you downplaying, you know, uh, who you are. Humility is knowing how to present who you are, okay? You can be the best of the best. You still can say that in a humble way, and still people will not receive it offensively or, or like you're being conceited or whatever. So when you tell people the good work that God um, has done in you, if it makes you um, feel better or makes you more comfortable, you can actually say, I humbly say to you that God has strengthened my inner man, that I'm growing in the word. God has healed those hurts in my life, and I am humbled by that. I'm humbled to tell you to share this great testimony with you. If that helps you, then say it just like that. But be confident in what you say and be uh, and honor the work that God is doing in your life. All right? And then... Number seven, serve others. Tell other people that you meet that you can be healed, that you can be strengthened. Don't give up on relationships. Don't give up on friendships. Don't give up on your family. Things can change. And the best way to service them sometimes is to give them a good positive report about what God has done in your life. You have to step, take a step of faith and begin to uh, relate to people again. You have to trust some new friendships until something so something surfaces that you can't, you know, uh, that you can't trust. You have to say, God, if you're healing me, I believe by faith that when people come into my life, I'm going to by faith receive them until you show me something else, until until something shows up or until something that they do says this is not the right connection. You know, I'm not going to prejudge them. I'm not going to judge them by what somebody else did. I'm not going to make them pay the price, uh, uh, the, uh, make them suffer the punishment. Uh, that of, of someone else's wrongdoing towards me, I'm going to receive them and I'm going to stretch myself out and extend myself to once again um, enjoy friendships, relationships, and some family um, uh, 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 family members that maybe I didn't once get along with. I'm going to do that um, once again. And so that's the way that you take your personal belongings out of the luggage, and then you take the luggage and you cast it away. As I told you in Ecclesiastic 3, 6, there's a time to, to, to hold on to something, and then there's a time to actually throw it away, to get rid of it. So when you get all of yourself out of that baggage and all of the residue of, of the past, once all of you um, is out of that, that luggage symbolically, then it's time to close it, Snap it, lock it up if you have to symbolically, and now you have to toss that thing into uh, into the abyss, into the sea of forgiveness, whatever you want to call it. But you have to get it out of the the uh, the territory of your life. It can no longer reside um, um, in your life and at your location, in your house, in your car. You know, it can no longer reside in your mind, in your emotions, in the in your conversation, in your hearing, in your vision. It is it, it no longer can stay in any part of the territory of your life. It is never, ever allowed back, period. There's no ticket that can ever get it in to your life. So you really have to put your life on lockdown to the pain of the past, not other people or new people. Uh, and then you also have to guard yourself. So if you know who the people are, and if they're refusing to change, the people who hurt you were dishonest, you know, maybe took advantage of you. If they refuse to uh, repent, refuse to apologize, or if they refuse to acknowledge their wrong, or if they refuse to change, then you must 
Guard your heart. The word said, guard your heart without diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. You're going to have to put some boundaries up on in, for those people. You have to redefine the relationship. You have to say, hey, I love you with the love of the Lord, but I cannot allow you into my personal space because you cause too much damage. You cause too much pain, too much hurt. And until you get delivered and until you make a conscious effort and a truthful effort to change your ways then I cannot allow you to come into the, the the privacy, the private areas of my life. I can love you with the love of the Lord, but I don't have to be in love with you romantically. I don't have to be in friendship with you. I don't have to be connected to you. You know, I'm required to forgive you, but I'm not required to let you stay at my house. I'm not required to be in friendship with you if you are out of order, if you are not aligning lining up with the word of God. Amen. Because when God brings that healing, you're responsible for guarding it. You're responsible for being um, the good steward over the change that God is bringing uh, to your life. So that's the way to do it. You get yourself back. You take your personal belongings out of the luggage. Close the luggage up. Toss the, the past away. All of the negative thoughts, toss it away. And then you're standing there with all of your personal belongings saying, God, now you clothe me the way that I that you desire for me to be clothed. I'm taking a step of faith. You bring the change that I need so I can be the person that you created me to be. You bring the wholeness back into my life so I can enjoy the abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give me. You be the per you you change me, God, so that people will enjoy talking to me and won't run away from me. You you bring the change to my life so that I can be that living epistle that all men can read, that all people will enjoy seeing, that people will be uh, will enjoy being connected to. Change me to be that person, and so I want I want to encourage you to do just that. And so I'm going to open up the um the uh, the lines if you have a comment or a question that you want to make about or on tonight's teaching. If you're calling in by phone. All you have to do at any moment is just touch the number one, and I'll know that you have something that you want to say. If you're in the chat room, just type it in and send it. It'll pop up on the on the screen in the chat room. I'll read it, um, or I'll ask your question aloud and give you an answer. Or if you have a comment, I'll read your comment so everybody will know what you said. And so this is the time before we close. If you would like to um, make a comment or if you have a question, about tonight's teaching. And what I'll do is when I get ready to bring you on, I'll just call out um, your area code. If it's more than one area code, then I'll, what I'll do is I'll call out um, just the last four digits um, of your number. And so if you hear the last four digits of your number, you'll know that I'm getting ready to um, to bring you on. And so um, uh, is there, there there's a 225 number so I'm going to get ready to bring that person on and hear what the uh the comment is. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, are you there? Okay. Okay, I don't know what maybe they changed their minds. Okay. If there's um no one and no one in the uh, the chat room. We'll close. Oh, okay. Area code um, four four three. Do I have to give you my name? Hello. Hello. No, only only if you want to, but if you don't mind, you can say what city and state you're calling from. Okay, I'm state of Maryland. Okay. 
for probably about two months now, and you've helped me a lot of the things that you were saying. I, you know, I started with last night and everything, and just writing down everything and all that. Um, I'm my situation is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm had gotten in a relationship after with a person that I had um, went with. Maybe we were going together maybe like 25 years ago mm-hmm. when I was like. 17 and he maybe been maybe like 22 um since then he had you know we had broken up and he had gotten married and had kids and of course i moved on to make a long story short and okay. you know i have a, a child and all that now he came back into my life um i would say it was in oh was it oh seven or oh eight and at that time i was in a relationship but it was it was a bad relationship. It was about to end and everything. And it was like he came back, and when we were going together back in the day, you know, he's a safe man now, but back then he was like, you know, um, really worldly and like to party and drink and stuff like that. And um, I guess I was infatuated with him and all of that because um, it was for certain reasons I was infatuated with him. And um, I went with him from, like, the age of 17 to 22, and it was really not even, like, going together. It was, like, almost like a sexual thing mm-hmm. where he would just come. I was still living home with my parents, and after he had partied all night or whatever, you know, he would come knock on my window, and I would get up and let him in, you know. And I'm like, I look at that now as being, you know, stupid mm-hmm. or infatuated because I was young. I didn't know, but mm-hmm. I learned from that. Okay, so to cut past the chase, so all these years that went by, so he comes back. I'm now 49, and I've been in maybe three or four different relationships since then. And like I said, he had gotten married. I think he got he's been had been married for maybe about 20 some years, and had children out of that and all of that. So he comes back into my life again. And when he had gotten married, I think he may have been maybe 25, 26, or whatever. Him and his wife they had gotten saved, and they got into church and all the Pentecostal. They raised their kids in church and things like that. But um. It's like with him, he's he's a type of man. He likes to he likes to dress well, and he's like overly confident about himself mm-hmm. and everything, you know. And um, I don't know exactly what went on with him, but when after he came back into my life, naturally he made it look like it was all her that was wrong, that did the wrong, and everything. She had left him. She left him about four or five years ago, and she left the children on him. Um, they have three kids, which are all grown. The oldest one is married and, you know, lives in Texas. Mm-hmm. And I think at that time when she left, the oldest one was, like, in college. She might have been, like, 18, 17 or 18, but she's, like, 24 now. And then she, they had a son, and he's like he was, like, maybe 16. And the youngest daughter is the one that it really took the most effect on. Cause she was, like, 14 when she left and all. And so she left the, the 14-year-old daughter on him. And this is what he told me and everything. So he, after him going through being saved and giving up the worldly stuff and all that, after she left him, he he backslid it. And he started going back into getting high, you know, mm-hmm. drugs and things like that, you know. And uh, I guess that was his way of trying to heal himself, losing weight. And, I mean, this was a man that always worked. And, I mean, he's, even through all that, he still worked and kept his self-appearance and stuff up and things like that. He always kept himself, but he was just, like, hurting real bad and all. But anyway, he comes back to me. He had gotten himself together, and he came back in my life. And the time that he came back in, the relationship that I was in, it was about to, it was crumbling anyway. 
but we were still together. So I had told him, I said, well, I'm in a relationship right now. You know, he had asked me, could he take me out? And so mm-hmm. I told him that he backed off. You know, he didn't try to, you know, pursue me any further after I had told him that I was in a relationship. So the relationship that I was in, I would say maybe three or four months after that, you know, it was really coming to an end, so I broke it off with the relationship that I was in because this this was like a mama's boy, and I didn't have time for that. So after I broke it off with him, I had, you know, pursued back to this guy I'm telling you about that, you know, that I used to go with and all. And um, so we, we ended up getting together. We got together in '09 and mm-hmm. everything. So he's he's very, very spiritual, and he knows the word. I mean, you know, so when mm-hmm. he comes back into my life, he was telling me, you know, teaching me a lot of stuff because it's like I go to church, but I'm still taking that walk, you know, trying to get to where I need to be at. And also he would sit and just talk to me and, you know, tell me you know, that he had gotten saved and he had been in church for 12 years and all that, and everything that had happened, and then he had told me about his wife leaving and leaving the kids on him and things like that and all. And mind you, he's like, it's like, see, I'm mixed up here because he's a good man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he was like everything that I was looking for in a man. And I'm like, why would God send this, him back in my life? I said, this is a reason for him coming back and all. So when he came back, you know, I mean, he never bothered me about sex or anything. I would say we were seeing each other like a good four or five months before he even would even think about asking me for anything. He would come to my house. He would never even attempt to go to the bedroom or anything like that. The furthest he would make it was to the bathroom or something like that, and we would just mm-hmm. sit and talk for hours and all. Then eventually, you know, we started liking each other more. We would do a lot of things together and go places and things like that. But the problem that I had with him, I guess by me not really being um, as far into the word as he was, a mm-hmm. lot of things he would say to me, I would listen, but I started to feel like he's like he felt he felt as though he was better than me because mm-hmm. he was so higher up in the word and mm-hmm. all and so um but what I was getting what made me upset about it is like, you know, he was still live he still likes worldly things and all, you know, I mean he's a man of God and things like that. I'd even taken him to my church and they just mm-hmm. fell in love with him because they could see the anointing over him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he loves people and he's a good person, you know, and he never disrespected me and knows how to treat me and all that. My thing was with him is like he was always preaching to me the word of God, which I didn't have a problem with that. My problem was is like how are you going to preach to me, but I see that you're still living in the world. What I mean by that, he 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 loves material things, you know, mm-hmm. like clothing and nice cars and things like that, you know. And, I mean, that's one thing we had in common. I, I like nice things too. But he would always, I, I felt like, not really like he was putting me down, but I just felt like, he thought he was better because he knew so much. Okay. And, all, and so. Okay. How and, how long is it? Yeah. How long has it been since uh, um, he has uh, been delivered from the drugs? Um, he said he's been free from the drugs. I think maybe anywhere between twelve and fifteen years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because a lot of times what happens is a self righteousness comes with that, mm-hmm. and you know after after that if they actually don't. Because as you know, even though they're set free, sometimes they're still looking for acceptance, and mm-hmm. they're still looking to be, um, you know, they're now looking to be seen as, you know, clean and whatever. And so they kind of like mm-hmm. go overboard with mm-hmm. the, uh, the the scriptures, and you know, they know it like the back of their hand, and mm-hmm. you know, they can preach it mm-hmm. to you. And so mm-hmm. it sounds like just from what you're saying mm-hmm. is that there's still some carnality there, mm-hmm. and so 
And that's when you say, like, you know, he loves the world itself. So that means that there's some carnality there. And so um, what's confusing you at this point, what, sounds, what it sounds like is that, you, like you just said, you know, I'm confused about how can he say, um, this, be doing all this preaching, and then all this is still going on. Okay, so what you have to do at this point, if, if can I offer you a suggestion? Mm-hmm. Okay, what you have to do at this point is you have to decide how important uh, your own spiritual journey is to a relationship that you want to be in. Okay, because if the relationship is making you feel like you're less than him because, you know, quote, he thinks he's more spiritual than you are, then you have to ask yourself, how benefiting is that for me and where the, what type of edification do I get out of feeling like that? Well, you don't get any from feeling like that. And if you're not careful, what it's going to do is it's going to bring, it's going to heap all of that confusion and um, uh, second-guessing of yourself on top of you until it weighs you down and then before you know it, then you're not in the word like you should be. Right. And then of course then he's gonna flip it and do more preaching then. Okay. Right. So. Well, let me if I can stop you there. We mm-hmm. we aren't together. We broke up since then and we broke mm-hmm. up like um in February of this year. This year. Okay. And, yeah, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, you know, like after maybe about five or six months after we had started seeing each other, like in oh nine in in twenty ten, you know, we had sexual relations. And stuff like that And you know He would come and stay He had his own place And things like that But he mm-hmm. would come over to my house And he would stay And stuff like that mm-hmm. And then I mean you know It went on um, And then this year It was like I would say like February of this year Because he had uh, He had went through A lot of stuff After his wife had left You know And he still mm-hmm. He stepped up to the plate And you know and, and just He's always been A good father He took care of his kids And he still does And they're grown You know He helps them out mm-hmm. But to get mm-hmm. past all of that Um you know, what I'm saying is that even still with that, um, mm-hmm. I've gotten sidetracked here. What am I thinking? Okay, so after after what led us to that, you know, he had lost his job and all that. So he had moved to another city for a while, just maybe like an hour away from me, mm-hmm. to go to work and everything. He stayed with a, a family member, and, he, you know, he worked there. So he came back in February. And um, he he came, he asked me to pick him up because he didn't have a car or anything, but now he's back on track. So I picked him up, and he stayed here and things like that. So um, this was like February the 8th. He was here for like two weeks, and he's never done that before. And so my church, we went on a spiritual retreat for the weekend in February um, from the 18th to the 20th. And like a couple days before that, he had told me that he wanted to be celibate. You know, and and I couldn't understand it. I'm like, it was like, you know, it's, it was like he just dropped a bomb on me. At first I thought he was playing. He said no, because he had asked me to marry him. And this mm-hmm. was like maybe a month before that. But the way he did it, it was in a text. And I'm like, you don't text me and ask me to marry you. So Valentine's weekend, we were in, in the mall shopping. And all of a sudden he cuts off to um, a jewelry store. And he wanted to look at rings and things like that. So... You know, we're looking at the rings, and I'm, you know, because I wasn't really thinking about marriage or anything like that. But anyway, um, you know, before the trip and all, he just decided, he said he wanted to be celibate. And I said, you're kidding. You know, I'm like, how are you going to cut me off like that and not sit down and talk about it or anything like that? You know, so I, I went along with it. And then when I went on a retreat, you know, we had our group discussion, and I brought that up, you know, saying that what he what he wanted to do. So I said, well, I'll just go along with it and everything. And then... um So after the retreat, the day before the retreat, 
he would, you know, we would be on YouTube because I always listen to like a lot of ministers and things like that, mm-hmm. and different stuff. And he, well, let me let me let me stop you just for a second. Mm-hmm. What what exactly? What is your dilemma right now? With him? Yeah, with this whole situation. My, okay, because you guys, you got yeah, because you broke up in February, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and here we are. We are in May. Okay, mm-hmm. the top of May. So mm-hmm. what? What? Where are you right now with it? Right now, it's like like after when we first broke up, you know, I, I he had got mad with me. I guess we were sitting here eating breakfast, and he would just he just started talking about just. I felt like he was preaching to me. Because at any mm-hmm. given time, he would just start talking about, oh, you can't go to heaven, doing this and doing that. And I'm, and I'm like, I said, right now, I don't really want to hear it. No disrespect to God or anything like that. I just didn't feel like hearing it at that particular time. Okay, so later on that afternoon, he started back up again. And, all, you know, so he went on. And I was like, I don't want to hear that. So he went in, in the room and he got dressed. Mind you, he's the type of person that's like, it's almost like a conceited person. Right, let me, let me tell you what you're doing. Let me tell you what you're doing. Okay, and that goes back to what we what I was talking about. Okay, okay, listen. My question is, where are you? Okay, because right now, what's more important? Because here we are. If if you guys broke up in February, here it is May. Where are you? How did the breakup affect you? Because there has to be there has to be something there that's either lingering or affecting you from it affected, that. It affected mm-hmm. me because the way that it was done. I mean, we've had breakups before, and it was like every time we would would break apart, he's the type that he 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 doesn't say a lot, and he won't like if you text him, he wouldn't answer or anything like that, you know. And then I I had time to think, and I apologized, and I said we both were wrong and all that. So we had gotten back together a couple times after that. But this last time, he had um you know he decided that you know he packed up his clothes and all. And he left, so he was on his way out the door. So I asked him that when when he was about to leave, I said, is it over? So he tells me, he said, I don't know, I'll call you, which mm-hmm. I felt right then and there. I know he wasn't going to call me, and that was like, like I said, it was on a Monday, February 21st, and I never heard nothing else from him. And normally I would, you know, would be maybe a day later or two days later, I would be texting him or whatever, not really begging, but just like mm-hmm. apologizing, but I made my mind up I wasn't going to do that at that time. So two weeks had went by, and I didn't, um, I didn't text or anything, you know. And so I had, um, I think it was like March the ninth. I had, I did go ahead and finally send him a text because he had been going through some blood mm-hmm. pressure issues. He was trying to get a job, and that was holding him up from getting a job. So I had sent him a short text, and I told him that I didn't hold any grudges against him. I said because I didn't want that him to have power over me, being angry and things like that. You know, and I said, um, I said, I hope you got the job, and I hope your blood pressure is fine. Things. So he texted me back like that next morning, like mm-hmm. six o'clock in the morning. I guess he was at work, and he said, um, he was telling me he got the job, his blood pressure was fine, and he didn't hold any grudges against me either. And that was the last time I had heard from him. That was like March the ninth. So I didn't text him again for like maybe another week or so, and then I would, I was texting him, and I mean, I was texting him deep stuff like emotional stuff and. Just yeah, but okay. Him. Let me stop you. Let me stop mm-hmm. you. Okay, okay, but why? 
You know, that's now I see why now that I should. Okay, be yeah, I'm gonna say you're really a case book. You're really a case. You know, because I'm gonna tell you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me say, like the whole time that you've been talking, what you've done is when you talk about him, you make excuses <laughs> or you try to justify why this happened. You know, on his end, on his end, you know, oh wow, he didn't text me because you know what, he was going through someone's blood pressure and you know he was trying to get a job, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm going to encourage you, only because we're running out of time, is that you um, are going to have to actually say, okay, I got to bring, I got to bring, I got to bring myself mm-hmm. out of the scenario right now. If you want to be healed, okay, right. because when you're talking to me about that text you sent, it's not like, okay, I sent that text because you know, let me say something about, it. let me be sure like I'm concerned, you know, well, how's your blood pressure? Did you get the job? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you're expecting him to come respond back to you in a certain way, like, oh wow, thank you for telling about me or, you know, caring about me. You know what I'm saying? And so then, you know, while he doesn't text and you text him again, so you got deeper. You know, you start dealing with some deep stuff then. You know why? Because you want him to you want him to respond a certain way. So what you're going to have to do at this point right here is you're literally going to have to the baggage is the whole scenario. Okay? Uh, period. So you got to lift yourself up out of that scenario. You guys are not dating anymore. There is, right? There is no more relationship, so it's no more. It's no more making any excuses or justifications for why he did what he did. He did it. You didn't like it. You just said it. I wish he hadn't. I wish he hadn't ended it the way that he did. Well, if he had ended it another way, you still wouldn't like it. You know, so it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, sometimes we do look at. Sometimes people do. You know, they they're they're uh, a little shady. And how they do things, they're not matured in uh in how they do certain things, you know, right. don't send me a text breaking up, you know, you know, those kinds of things. But right. now is the time where you have to lift yourself up out of, you know, um that scenario. You really right. have to in you know, uh lift yourself up and say, you know, right. it's more important now that I focus on me, me. than it right. is for me to try to figure out all of right. the incidents. And just to um, say this, because I don't want to hold you up any longer, that was like back in March. But like I said, um, since then, I haven't texted him anymore, you know. And mm-hmm. what had happened was um, um, I had made up my mind, you know, I said, you know, it's over because I got tired of sending him texts and he wasn't answering because I was starting to feel like a, a dummy, like a fool. So I said, forget it, you know. But the God in me and the goodness in me, I, I had for like three weeks, I didn't text him. And then, like, the Wednesday before Easter, I sent him a text, and I told him, I said, even though we aren't together anymore, I said, I still care about your well-being. I'm just sending you a happy early a early happy Easter. And that was that. And I said, that's it. I'm not sending no more, which I didn't send anymore. And then Easter Sunday, he sends me a text. And, I mean, to remind you, the last time he texted me was March the 9th just to tell me he had gotten mm-hmm. a job. His blood pressure was fine. He sends me a text Easter morning, and I'm like, you know, I was thinking it was my girlfriend from church or whatever, because I'm getting ready for church, me and my daughter. And here comes this text from him telling me, Happy Easter to me and my daughter, and have a blessed day. And I was like, I told my daughter, I said, well, I'll be done. I said, after a month and a half, he finally texts me to tell me to have a happy Easter after everything I sent to him. So I sent him a text back, but I, I knew he probably thought that I was going to say, oh, I'm so glad to hear from you and all that. I didn't do that. What I did is sent a text back to him, and I said, we wish the same thing to you. And I left it just like that and everything. And then, like, that Tuesday after Easter, I had told him, I finally came to really come to my senses and 
just, you know, I told him, I said, it was good to hear from you. And I said, I don't, you, don't want you to think that I'm sending you this text to try to reconcile with you. I said, because I've accepted that it's over. And I was just telling him that, you know, that I needed to get in the word for myself, not to just hear it from him and everything, for not to, for him to try to build me up, make me stronger because of what he went through. And I told him, that's what I've been doing. You know, I said, I've, I've, you know, got away, learned to. I had a let, let me let me stop God. you for one second. Let me stop you for one second. You can stay on the line for those that are on the line. I just need to say close out because we're going live off the air right now, but we okay. can still stay on the line, okay? okay. I just want to close okay. the show out, okay. okay? But I'm going to say this to you, but from just listening to what you said, mm-hmm. what happened here is that you actually, when you sent that text about Easter, you wanted him to respond, mm-hmm. okay? And mm-hmm. maybe he didn't. Maybe you wanted a a certain type of response that you didn't get, but you wanted him to respond. Okay? And then he did, and so he didn't he didn't really respond the way that you wanted him to, so now you looked at it differently. Okay? You would have been better off not sending the text for Easter. See, you you keep finding ways to text, not ways, you keep finding reasons um, to text him. There's no reason to text him. The relationship right. is over. But right. the, the, it goes back to what I said last night. You keep doing certain things trying to get that particular person to respond a certain way. And I know it's hard at times because when you've been in a relationship with somebody for any length of time and if there has been any intimacy in that relationship, that soul tie is harder to break. You know, especially when they're comfortable with you. They got some clothes at your house or, you know, that kind of stuff. And they're not packed up and left. It's hard now because you're looking at how much you've invested in that in that relationship, everything you put into it. Then now look at how he treated me. I, got, I had to sit back and watch you preach to me, you know, all kind of stuff. I had to sit back and, you know, all of this is playing off in your mind right now. And sometimes, I'm just going to be real with you, sis, sometimes we make – um some bad um, uh, decisions right. in who we connect with. Okay, and, and let me tell you what. I've seen people co- connect with folks that they once knew in high school or they once knew in their, in their early 20s, uh-huh. and then they, they hook up, and the person is totally different. Yep, well, yeah. I mean, thing. if you're looking mm-hmm. at, I'm looking at, I knew you when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Here I am now, let's say, 45, 49 yeah, years old. I'm There's no way in the world you're the, the same, same person. Right, and I told him that, you know. And that's, that's what I had told him um, when it first happened. And I told him, I said, you have to understand, you know, we both both were different. I said, you got married and had a family. I said, you know, I had been in different relationships. It had been over 26, 27 years since we had been together. You know, you changed. We we all changed, you know. So it's not going to, I'm not going to be the same person. And see, back then I was more naive then. I mean, I was so into him, I guess you could call it lust, and I thought it was love. You could have knocked me over with a feather. But I had explained to him when he came back into my life that I wasn't that person anymore. So it was like he saw the other side of me to where I had been through other stuff and other relationships and it had just made me stronger or whatever to where, I guess, like you were saying, built up the wall. Because he used to tell me, you got a wall built up, I'm going to tear it down. I said, no, you're not, no, you're not. But listen to what you were saying, you know, I'm going to get rid of all of that. But, you know, I had just changed, you know, I didn't tolerate a lot of stuff from men, you know, but I told him that about me and everything. But the thing with him was when when he first came back in my life, all he would do was, like, you know, talk about his his walk with God and, you know, the, the thing he had went through with his ex-wife and the drugs and all that, how he cleaned himself up and all that. But I noticed just like things happened right after we had sex, then it was like, you know, I started seeing the other side of him, which wasn't a bad side, you know, it was just that 
He's so conceited and stuff like that about himself, the way he looks and all See, that. See, you still, you still, you still trying to make excuses and justify it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mean, gonna say, it. but you don't hear yourself like we hear you. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, and that's and, that, and that's what happens sometimes emotionally when you're telling your story. You don't really hear yourself the way right. other people hear you, and so. Right. um but I will I will uh, say you know say this to you for for future reference you know and I'm just going to point out some things that you say you know when y'all hook back up and he would spend time talking about you know what he went through with his ex wife and you know and all of this and his his um, the drug usage and all this other kind of stuff if that was the majority of the conversation just to be frank with you that's why you got what you got okay. See why? Because all of that was rehash. He, he was just rehashing all of what he had gone through, rehashing what the wife did, you know, whatever that situation was, and then rehashing his. It's different for the, especially for the drug thing. If I'm giving you my testimony, it's another thing if I focus on it. If that's all I'm talking to you about, because if you connect with somebody in a relationship, for a romantic relationship, usually those conversations. I mean, you get some background information, but you don't spend months and, and days and, and weeks talking about the negativity or the unfortunate experiences of a person's life. You spend more time and energy on being excited about uh, getting to know each other once again. Because right. you're older now, you're adults now. Right. You know it's not the same when you were when you were younger. Even in your early twenties, it's not the same. It's right. not the same person. Period. You know. Right. So at this point right here, um, I'm going to ask you this question: um, What do you want to see happen with your life? Well, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I'm. I've don't been don't working. tell me nothing about him. No. <laughs> okay. About okay. Him. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm done with that, you know. It's it's over. I've I've mm-hmm. accepted that, you know. I, it took mm-hmm. me, I, and I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna say it took me probably a month to really realize that it was over, you know. After mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything and stuff right. like that, and I just decided that I'm just gonna be, um, like you were saying last night, um, what is it? Was it some kind of thinking? To oh, I'm a, I'm gonna fast. Relationship, relationship. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm gonna. Re- I mean, not that I'm gonna be mad with any other man or anything right. like but that. I'm gonna fast from that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna fast from a relationship and just focus on me, my happiness, and just focus on everything you were saying tonight. And not, you know, trying to uh, allow myself to get closer with God and you know reading my Bible mm-hmm. more and just doing things that's gonna make me happy. And all of that, you know, because like I okay. said, I've, I've I've accepted that it's over. Okay, you know? I'm gonna uh, very good. I'm going to um, uh, um, before I pray uh, for you and for the rest. There's some people that are, that are still on the line. I'm gonna put you mm-hmm. on hold again in case there if there's anybody else before I pray that's on that's still on the line. If you have a comment or even if you have a word of encouragement for this sister and you would like to make a comment, please hit the number one, um, uh, and I can bring you on before we close out in prayer. And uh, even though we're not live right now, I think if you go back for the replay, it's going to be the whole everything that we everything we're talking about right now will be on the replay. And so, if you're still on the line and you have um, a comment or you have a question, press the number one. If not, I'm gonna close out in prayer. And while they're thinking about it, they have a comment um, or not, I'm gonna encourage you that when you go on the relationship fast to really stay focused. You know. I don't care how many text you, you may not get a text, but just you know you may get a text just because you're going on a fast, you know. So if you do get a text, don't answer it. Don't answer it. If you do that relationship fast, do not answer any texts from from that person, and because you, you want God to free clear your mind and free you. And the only way that can happen is anything that was intruding in your life at the time can't get in the way of the fast. Period. Okay. okay? 
And so you got to make sure you stay focused. Make sure you don't have any no texts, no phone calls. If an unexpected letter or card comes in the mail, put it in the drawer. You got to complete that fast. And you know, God will show you how many, you know, how long that fast should be. But don't let anything break that fast because that's where you're going to get your breakthrough. Jesus said it like this: Some of these things come out through prayer and fasting. And so. You're going to have to, however long you choose to make that fasting journey, that you're going to have to decide nothing is going to get in the way of this relationship fast or whatever type fast you choose to go on and get focused and get into the word about God healing your heart, your emotion, changing, renewing your mind, you know, getting closer to him, understanding how valuable you are to him so that you don't have to succumb to anything that comes along. You know, sometimes we think, okay, oh, I grew up with him or I went to school with her and, you know, it might be easy just to reconnect with them. And sometimes we connect with some of them folks. It's a mess. You know, because you had, yeah, it's a mess because mm-hmm. the whole time that they were doing their life journey in that mm-hmm. 20 or 30, 20 year span, you had no clue what was going on with them. Right. No clue what was going on in that 20 year period. So, of course, the word of God says every man's story sounds good until somebody right. else comes along and questions it. So when he tells you about his, you know, he's telling you his side, like you say, he's making it sound good like it's all somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah, you know, see, you know when you're mm-hmm. honest in your spirit is when you can tell mm-hmm. your testimony, your spirit, your testimony or your story, and mm-hmm. own your part. Right. That's when you never own his part when because he always own your part. He would always say, um, "I was, I don't know why she left me. I was a good man. Mm-hmm. I did this. I did that. You know." But I, it's a lot of things that he would tell me that she used to say about him and the things that she didn't like, I saw all of it, and I mm-hmm. said to myself, "I see why she left you." You know, oh. I saw mm-hmm. it all. Right, and so, so I'm gonna pray um, for the for the whole teaching and as for you as well. And so I want to encourage you. And on tomorrow night, we're gonna be talking about the purpose of letting go. You know why it's important that you let go. What is the purpose of letting go? That's that's some some important reasons why you have to let go. You know, in addition to what we've already been talking about for the last two days. And so on tomorrow night. Um, uh, the show is at 9 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, and so uh, I'm going to put I'm you on back. The East hold them. Coast, so it probably would be okay. At that 8 would be that's ten. No, that'll be ten. I think uh, 10. you're like one hour ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And so, thank you so much for sharing your story and what you're going thank through. You. And um, I'm going to put you on hold, but I'm going to pray for the whole for everybody, and uh, and specifically for you as well and the show. Okay. Right. Hold on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you on this evening, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, that we are getting rid of the baggage and we're reclaiming our personal belongings, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, that everything that you have uh, instilled in us, those intricate, delicate parts of our bodies that, that that you've woven on the inside of us, that you used to create us, you know all about us. I thank you right now that we're becoming good stewards over the delicate parts of our being, Lord God, and good stewards over our life. Your word says to guard our heart with all diligence, for out of its Brings the issues of life, and I thank you right now that we are doing exactly what you that uh, have a desire to do exactly what you have called us uh, to do in that area, Father. I thank you for the sister that shared her story, Lord God, and I pray right now that you would move on her behalf, calm her spirit, give her a peace that passes understanding as she goes forth in this relationship. Fast, show her, Holy Spirit, you become the great God, guide her into how long she should fast and what she should do during the course of this time. Then become the great teacher, teach her things about her. Teach her things about um, our Heavenly Father and teach her things about other people and relationships that she should learn that will empower and impact her life so that she can make better decisions uh, 
make wiser uh, choices, Lord God. And, Father, I thank you for every caller that made, that remained on the line, whatever they're going through, even though it has been unsaid, or even if they're standing as an intercessor on somebody else's behalf who's carrying around baggage. On tonight, I thank you for their lives, Lord God. I pray that something that was taught on tonight would be encouraging to them. It would be um impacting in their lives, something that they can take and actually apply, Lord God. But one thing that we know and set our faith in agreement to your word, that your word will never return void, that it will accomplish everything that you set it out to do. And we believe by faith that it has accomplished tonight the very thing that you set it out to accomplish. We thank you. We believe by faith, Father God. Um, and we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Thank you so much for staying on the call. And um, if you um, you're welcome to email me, uh, let me know what you're thinking about the teaching uh, going on. And again, please join me on tomorrow night when we talk about the purpose of letting go. God bless you. This is Minister Ginger London. Thank you so much. I'm humbled by your presence. God bless you.